You're listening to the Clergy Chick Podcast. My name is Rhonda Blevins. I'm the Clergy Chick. From May the 17th, 2020, with Chapel by the Sea in Clearwater Beach, Florida. The text is John chapter 14, verses 15 through 21. If you love me, you will keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to be with you forever. This is the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him because he abides with you and he will be in you. I will not leave you orphaned. I am coming to you. In a little while, the world will no longer see me, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. And on that day you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. They who have my commandments and keep them are those who love me, and those who love me will be loved by my Father, and I will love them and reveal myself to them. My sermon title today is called 2020 Vision, and I'm a little disappointed with myself for taking five months to figure out that little play on words, but nevertheless, here we are. My sermon title is 2020 Vision. There have been some jokes around the turn of the year, 2020 and 2020 Vision, and I would tell you some of those jokes, but I don't want to make a spectacle out of myself. I asked them to laugh, and they didn't. The title of my sermon is 2020 Vision because Jesus talks about our ability to see. Now, he says that the world would cease to see him, but the disciples, well, they could continue to see him. Now, they're in the upper room. This is a continuation from last week. They're still in the upper room. Jesus has just told the disciples that he's about to die, and now he gets to this part where he says that the world will no longer see me, but, but you, you will be able to see me. Now, I would suggest that the world really never saw Jesus. Oh, they saw him as a, as a, a Jewish man living in the first century from, uh, from Nazareth, the son of a carpenter, got a following as a teacher and a preacher and a healer, dark hair, dark eyes probably, five foot nothing the archaeologists tell us is likely. Now they saw a figure of a man, but they didn't really see what was in Jesus. But that's not uncommon, is it? It seems like there are so many stories about genius that was discovered only after death. Like, take Vincent van Gogh, for instance, the famous painter. You may remember that van Gogh only sold one painting while he was alive for just a little over $100 in today's currency. And then he died, and 20 years after he died, someone discovered how amazing the paintings were. 
And now his paintings are known all over the world. In fact, his Starry Night is probably only second to the Mona Lisa in terms of recognizability in the Western world. The world could not see him. Or take Emily Dickinson, for instance. Now, Emily was kind of a recluse, I understand, and she uh, published a few, just a very few poems while she was alive, but largely went unnoticed. And then after she died, her sister found dozens of volumes, hand-bound volumes of her poems, nearly 1,800 poems. Her sister had those poems published, and now Emily Dickinson may be the most beloved American poet of all time. The world could not see her. Or if art and poetry aren't your thing, let's talk about science for a minute. Ever heard of Galileo? Galileo was a scientist who happened to believe that the Copernican idea of the earth revolving around the sun, he suggested that it might have some merit. And the church didn't like that one little bit. And so they had a trial and convicted him of heresy. He had a life sentence that he had to serve. All because he thought that the earth revolved around the sun. Now, that was in ni- uh, 1633. It, would be until, it wouldn't be until 1992 that the Vatican decided that, okay, maybe Galileo was right. That's 359 years. And one thing I learned this week as I was planning for this message, did you know that Galileo's middle finger is in a museum in Florence, Italy? It's sticking straight up. Not ironic at all, is it? See, the world couldn't see him. And so maybe it's not really surprising that the world couldn't really see Jesus either. Now, this is kind of tricky, this seeing God thing. Just this week, my six-year-old, as we were at home, because we're always at home, my six-year-old asked me, Mommy, when I die, will I be able to see God? Now, this was a big moment for me. You might think that at the preacher's house, these deep theological conversations happen all the time. Not so. So this is my big moment. I I have two theological degrees. I have decades in the ministry. It has all built up to this one moment of my six-year-old asking me this deep theological question. Mommy, when I die, will I see God? And so I kind of got on his level, and I said, yes, son, I believe you will see God. And then I took it a step further. And I said, but, but you can see God now because God is in you, and God is in me, and God is everywhere. And I gave him a little smile And mentally, I was kind of, you know, checking my work, and I I thought I'd done pretty good. I was giving myself a grade, maybe an A-plus or an A-plus-plus. And then he looked at me kind of like this. And I realized he didn't get it at all. His 
facial expression told me he was somewhere between, Mommy, I don't understand, and am I going to have to have this woman committed? <laughs> so scratch out the A++, give myself a D, D+. See, it's tricky, isn't it? But I get why he doesn't get it, because he's six years old. And this is an abstract concept, and abstract thinking doesn't take root in a child's life until between the ages of 11 and 16, usually. Abstract thinking. It's where we can imagine something that's not physically present. We can imagine ideas and concepts without the physicality of them being there. It's, and this idea of seeing Jesus, this is an abstract concept. And so there Jesus was in the upper room. He had just told his disciples that he's about to die, but then he gives them a little bit of hope. He says, he says, the world will no longer see me, but you, you will be able to see me. See, I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. Talk about an abstract concept. Now, if you've been in church most of your life, this language is, is not new. We hear this a lot. This is not new language. It doesn't surprise us. But if you think about the concept of being a first century Jew hearing this, this is radical stuff. This idea of being in God and God being in us and us being in each other, it's wow. It's mind-blowing. You see, as a first century Jew, God lived somewhere up there in the heavenly realms, and, and maybe God also lived in one little tiny room, in one building, in one city of Jerusalem. They believed that God was in the Holy of Holies, this small room in the temple, and no one could ever go in there except the high priest one day per year. You see, their God was cut off, removed, and Jesus says, I am in the Father, and you and me, and I and you. Mind-blowing. It's radical stuff. Well, back to the conversation with my six-year-old. He went on after saying, Mommy, can I see God when I die? And I said, Yes, and you can see God in you and in me and everywhere. And he's confused. But then he looked at me and he said, Well, Mommy... I want to tell you something, but can God hear me if I tell you something? And I looked at him and I said, well, yeah, I believe he can, son, but God already knows your thoughts, so saying it really doesn't make much of a difference. And so he kind of looked a little nervous, and he said, okay, well, Mommy, I love you more than God. And I looked at him, and I said, oh, honey, I, I love you too. I said, you know that part of you that loves me? That love that you have for me, that love comes from God. And the love that I have for you, that love comes from God too. And I don't know if he got it, but it satisfied him. So I'll give myself a solid B-plus on that one. You see, any time we see genuine love, 
genuine compassion. We know that that is from God. Now, the writer of the Gospel of John, we presume it to be John, he doesn't say it outright in this passage, but in another part that he wrote in the book of 1 John later on in the New Testament, this is what he says about recognizing God through the love we see around us. This is what John writes. This is from the message. He says, love comes from God. Everyone who loves is born of God and experiences a relationship with God. The person who refuses to love doesn't know the first thing about God because God is love. So you can't know him if you don't love. No one has seen God ever. But if we love one another, God dwells deeply within us and his love becomes complete in us. Perfect love. So back to the sermon title, 2020 Vision. How do we see God? Well, this year, 2020, has been kind of a year, huh? Anybody want to trade it in for an old model? This year, 2020, has given us the ability to see, maybe more than ever before, how we are interconnected, how God is in us, and I am in you, and you are in me. We are not independent. If we had any illusion of being independent, that's been shattered because we recognize now that we are interdependent. We need the grocery store clerk and the garbage truck driver and the nurse and the doctor. We need each other. And if, you're, uh, if you haven't needed them specifically, maybe you've needed the economy to be okay so that you feel okay with your 401k. We are so interdependent. That's what 2020 is teaching us. That's the vision that God may be hoping we catch this year. So, have you noticed any loving act this week? Have you shared or offered any loving deed this week? If so, you have seen God, just like Jesus promised those very first disciples. So in 2020, may we continue to grow in the grace of being able to see God through the love that we share with one another, with stranger, with neighbor, with family, with friends, with those that we might even hold at a distance. When we see love, there we see God. I close with a poem. It's written by Dana Falds, and it's called Simply Allow. And may it urge us on to seeing with new eyes the vision that God would have us to see. There is no controlling life. Try corralling a lightning bolt containing a tornado. Dam a stream, and it will create a new channel. Resist and the tide will sweep you off your feet. Allow, and grace will carry you to higher ground. 
The only safety lies in letting it all in. The wild with the weak. Fear, fantasies, failures, and success. When loss rips off the doors of the heart, or sadness veils your vision with despair, practice becomes simply bearing the truth in the choice to let go of your known way of being the whole world is revealed to your new eyes let it be chapel let it be thanks for tuning in to the clergy chick podcast until next time keep on shining <laughs>